Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I love, I love about Jesus, I love about Jesus that he is just right here with us. You know, God is in heaven, we know that. But Jesus came down here and just like walked amongst us. Many times we think that there's something that we have to do to, just to please him. But if, if we could just get it into our heads and into our hearts that he gets us. That he came down here, walked with us, did life with us, walked as one of us so he could get us. And so that we would know that he gets us. He just, he just went around and he just chose ordinary people like you and me. Ordinary people. And, and I look at the disciples and I read their stories and, you know, they're just ordinary people like you and me. When we look at people like... For instance, Peter in the Bible, we look at Peter and we just go, man, I mean, if you read the book of Acts and you read Peter and he just like walks past people and he, and, and his shadow heals people. It's like, oh, I just want to be just like Peter. I want to walk past people and, and my shadow just heals people. But what you don't realize is that Peter is just a normal, everyday guy like you and I, who is just chosen by God, chosen by Jesus just because he's normal. Let's just have a look at his life tonight. That's what I want to do. I just want to have a look at Peter. You want to come with me? Hi, Neil. Good to see you. Great to see you here. It's awesome. Hi to all the um, youth girls. All the young girls that are coming to church, it's awesome. So the first time that Peter's introduced, we're introduced to Peter, and I saw this the other night. Who's watching that Bible, the Bible on TV? It's really good. And the other night, you know, you saw the scene where, you know, Peter's on his boat and you see Jesus walk up to the edge of the water and Peter's out in his boat. He hasn't caught anything and he comes in. He hasn't caught anything all day. He's pretty upset. And Jesus says to him, hey, take your boat out again. And he's just going, what? There's nothing to catch. Who do you think you are? What do you know? Who are you? You don't know anything. There's nothing to catch around here. And, and Jesus just gets in the water and starts to go towards his boat. He says, what are you doing, you crazy man? He goes, no, get me in pull me in. And he's up to here in water and he pulls him into the boat. He says, what do you want? Who are you? He says, I'm telling you, take your boat out again. If you listen to me today, your life will be changed. He said to Peter, if you listen to me today, your life will be changed. And so, you know, Peter just rolls his eyes, you know, who's this crazy guy? And he takes the boat out and puts the nets in. And of course, he pulls all these fish in. He's just pulling all these fish in. And, and he, looks at, he looks at Jesus and he said, who are you? Like, how did you do this? And, and, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, 
If you follow me, you'll do greater things than this. We'll go fishing for men. And he said, how are we going to do that? And Jesus looks right into his eyes and he says, come with me, Peter. Let's change the world. And it just like, just hit me. It's like, come with me, Peter. Let's change the world. And so here's Peter and he's with Jesus. He's following Jesus. He leaves everything to follow him and he's just watching him. He's watching the things that he does and he sees the things that Jesus is doing. And there's this one day and Jesus is, they're out in their boat and they, they look out and there's someone, there's someone in the water and he's, he's walking, he's walking on the water towards them. Now, every other guy is in that boat, but Peter, this crazy guy, he's just like, is that you, Lord? You know, if that's you, tell me to come to you and I'm just going to come. And Jesus said, it's me, Peter, come, come. And Peter just like, wow, okay, straight out of the boat on the water. And he's just like, whoa. And he just starts to take a few steps towards Jesus. And it's like, and then he looks at the water and then he goes, what the heck am I doing? And he starts sinking, 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 sinking. Jesus grabs him and pulls him up. You know, Peter would have been pretty down on himself. It's like, oh, man. You know, I had to go and, and I started to sink. But the thing is, there was a whole bunch of other disciples in that boat. Not one of them, not one of them even stood up. Not one of them even got out of the boat, let alone tried to walk on the water. And I think there was something in this guy's heart that just, that got Jesus, that, that got him. You know, maybe this guy tonight, maybe he reminds you a little bit of yourself as you listen to, to his story. And then it goes on in Peter's life. And they're having this discussion one day and, and Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, it says, in Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Now he's asking all his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? And they started replying, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But then he looks past all his disciples. I just find this fascinating. They're all saying who they think it is. And he just looks at me, he just goes, what about you, Peter? Who do you say that I am? See, he sees something in the heart of this guy. He sees something in the heart of this guy, this, this spontaneous, crazy guy. He says, what about you, Peter? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, well, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not real, revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He changed his name. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was a Messiah. He's looking at this Peter. It's like you, Luke. I mean, Luke, you got something that's raw in God. You know, and, and, and I remember when you first came into this church and you just like, 
I don't know what it is, but I've got to find a church and get my family to a church. You know, I've got kids. I want them to be raised in a church. I've got to find a church. I've got to go there. I don't know. I just think I need to go to church and get saved. And you walked in here, you get saved straight away. Your kids have been saved. Your wife is saved. You're all coming to church. And there's something so raw and beautiful about you. And I remember when you stood up here and you told us that testimony, you know, about how, how you know, you, you're just like in pain in your back and you're a football player. Is it football? Soccer? I was right. Football. You're a football player and you, you play A grade, right? And, you know, he's, he's, he needs his health and his back had gone on him and he was just like a brand new baby Christian. He's in, just in bed. He's just going, you know, wow. You know, this stuff that I'm reading in the Bible that Jesus heals people, surely it's true. And the next minute he feels this heat in his back. He feels like this penetration going through his body. He's just going, I think it's happening to me right now. And he just gets healed in his bedroom. And it's just like the rawness of him, like the heart of Peter was just like, you know what? I believe it. And this is like Peter, he's looking at him going, you know what? I may not be real smart. I might, I might not be like, I'm just a fisherman, right? I'm not a scholar. I'm not one of these, you know, guys that have, you know, been studying, you know, the word. I, I, I'm not really, in, you know, gone to the synagogue much or anything much like that. But I tell you what, I'm watching you and I, I think you're the Messiah. <laughs> I actually think you're the, the son of God. You know, and he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. There's something about just Jesus that gets to the reality of a heart, that exposes the reality of a heart, and just says, you know what? Peter, I reckon that you've got something that others can't see. How many times has Jesus just come to you, just a normal, average, everyday person, and just say, who do you say, who do you say that I am? And you stand before him, you just go, I know who you are. I know who you are, Jesus. And he's just so, so blessed with that. So here's Peter. He gets this revelation and he says, now I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you open is going to open and whatever. He's going, whoa. And he must have just thought, I have made it. I have arrived. Can you imagine that? I mean, you know, Jesus standing there saying, here's the keys. Here's the keys to the car, son. Just, why don't you just try driving this thing? I mean, start binding, start loosing, start doing a bit of what I do. And he just must have thought, I've made it. I mean, I've passed the test. I'm, this is it. Woo, king disciple. And he's probably just walking around this little bit. <clears throat> you can imagine. I would have been like that. And it's only one verse later. Everybody say one verse. Yeah. One verse later. And he says this. From the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside. See, he's thinking, you know, I've got the keys now. I think I can drive this car. You know, I, 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 you know that, I think I know what's going on here, Jesus. So let me give you a little bit of advice here, Jesus. Listen pulls him in close. 
And he took him aside and he began to rebuke him. <laughs> Jesus, what are you doing? I know what's going on here. You know, you're out. No, you can't do this. Never, Lord. He says, never. This shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, in a loving voice, I'm sure, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. <laughs> this is one verse later. It's like, I'm just trying to feel good about myself. It's like, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, that's right, I'm just a fisherman. I forgot. I'm just a human. And I just, I thought, you know, I was somebody for a minute, but anybody ever feel like that? Anybody ever just like kind of stepped out and, but Jesus is teaching Peter something. Jesus is gently teaching. Well, okay, it wasn't so gentle right then, but he's teaching Peter something. He's teaching Peter to have the discerning heart, to, to hear the spirit, to not look at the natural. He's teaching Peter. See, a long time before Peter's shadow healed people, Peter was in this place with Jesus where he was being refined and taught and he's just a normal human being just but he was so open and he was so incredibly in love with Jesus that he just wanted what Jesus had and Jesus was saying to him don't think with your human mind Pete you think with your spirit he was teaching him to live by the Spirit. Jesus knew that he had to die. Jesus knew that it was going to happen, that it was prophesied that it would happen. And nothing was going to stop that. And he's trying to teach Peter, these are my ways. You know, and just, you think with Jesus, you just go, okay, I better train somebody else. Like this guy's, you know, is there any young guys just left Bible college? You know, like, you want to be on my team because this guy is like, I should just, I should have left him with a fish. But, but Jesus isn't like that. Jesus isn't like that. You know, then we look in Luke 8, 51, and here's Jesus. He's, he's going to the house of Jairus, and he wants to, to, to heal this child. And he gets to the house of Jairus, and they're all wailing and crying, and the child's dead. The child's, he's not, the child's not dead. She's just sleeping. And he's going to go into this house. And how many of you know, you know, as Ra said before, you know, he can't do any miracles where there's unbelief. And so he wants to go into this house and heal this child. But he doesn't want unbelief all around him. And so what does he do? He says, hey, Pete, come with me, buddy. I need your faith right now. And Peter's going, hang on, you just called me Satan a minute ago. And it's like, <laughs> and Jesus goes, come on, buddy. I need your faith right now. He says, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go with him except Peter and John and James and the child's father and mother. And the child was raised up from the dead and healed. And Peter's there and he's just going, I can't believe it. Like Jesus, he still trusts me. He's still, he's still believing in me. He's still rooting for me. He's still, 
you know, he's still saying, come on, Pete, you can do this. You know, he's still on my side. He's still got my number. He's still, you know, he still sees something in me that I, I just thought I'd really wrecked it. How many times do you feel like in your Christian life that you've just like, this time I've really stuffed it. This time, you know, he isn't going to want me back. This time, you know, no, Jesus is right there. He knows exactly who you are. Jesus knows exactly what makes you tick. He knows exactly the things you have to overcome. He knows exactly the things that he wants to put into you. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows you exactly. You're not surprising him right now. Nothing in your life surprises him. It's written. It's all written. He knows. And he trusts you. He still trusts you. And then, you know, I think every now and again, you know, God will come along and he'll just trust us with some deeper things. And we see this in Pete. And I call him Pete now because he's he's my mate now. (laughs) Pete, my mate. Just so much like him. It's ridiculous. Anyway, and it says in Matthew 17, 1 to 3, Here's this incredible thing here. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and the brother of James and led them up a high mountain by themselves. It's like Jesus say, I'm going to take you a little higher now. Okay, you've battled some things on this level. You've seen some things on this level. And you know, you've done okay. You know, you know, you just, Satan used you once or twice. But you've done okay. But, you know, let's just take you up a little higher now. And so, you know, and so there he was on the mountain, Jesus transfigured before them. Everyone know what transfigured means? Was that yes? Does everyone know what transfigured means? And you went. (laughs) Is that what transfigured looks like? No, that's dead. No, transfigured is that they saw him as he would look like in heaven, in his glory, in his, in his glorious body, in his glorious, in all, can you imagine the light coming out from him? Can you imagine the transparency of his image, the, the glory that would have been around him? And so they go up this mountain, they think, oh, okay, here's another little trip with Jesus. And the next minute, poof, and there's Jesus. He's just like glowing in front of them. And he was transfigured before them. It says that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Whoa. And not just that. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, who were both dead, by the way. But there they are in their glory, all of them, the three of them, talking together. And Jesus is allowing this fisherman who blows it all the time to see something of the glory realm, something that he can take with him when he's being, 
you know, tortured later on, when he has to die for his faith later on, something that he's showing him here that he's going to carry in his heart. And there's times where the Lord will take us to that mountain and he'll show us a glorious thing. He'll show us something of the glory of himself, something of the supernatural that just blows our mind. And you've got to hang on to that with everything that you've got. And don't expect every time that you're with him that you're going to see those things and you're going to experience those things because a lot of life is just doing the stuff and then every now and again you get the whoa and then you get the doing the stuff they get the whoa and then you get the doing the stuff isn't that right <laughs> yeah, some people just go oh I didn't get the whoa this week so I'm out here you know believe me you, you're not going to see the transfiguration every day they're kind of special occasion things you know what I mean it's like if you got good stuff every day, you just take it for granted. Sometimes there's special occasion things, you know, where it's just... <sighs> like I got to drive a Saab last week with the roof down all the way to Sydney. Like that was kind of a special moment, you know, and if you just had that all the time. But I might have it all the time if my husband has to buy it for me. So Peter's had this experience and he's seen this, I mean, I won't go into what the, the guys sort of went, oh, let's build a little house for them and put them in a little house and what do you want us to do? And they sort of just still didn't get it. But anyway, Jesus showed them anyway. And then, and then we come to this place where Jesus is it's the Passover festival and it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. And I just love this because let's just go back. It says here, having loved them as his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus was trying to say something here. He's trying to say, do you get it yet? Like, do you get it yet how much I love you? Do you get it? I mean, I've been walking with you. I've been talking with you. I've been living with you. Do you get it how much I love you? And then he just wraps this towel around his waist and he goes to wash his disciples' feet. And here again we see Peter with the big mouth. He's always opening his mouth <laughs> in John 13, 6. And he says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And then he goes in verse 8, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Jesus is trying to show him, unless I wash your feet, unless I show you what it's really like to love, how are you going to go and love other people in my name? How are you going to be a part when I'm gone? 
when I'm out of here, when I've died and I'm with my father sitting at the right hand and you're going to be walking through the streets and you're going to have to love those that are unlovable, those that are filthy. You're going to have to love those like I've loved them. How can you be a part of me if you don't let me wash your feet and show you my true heart for people and for you? You have no part in me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet. Here he goes again. He's just like, what? not just my feet, but my hands and my head. And just get me in that water. <laughs> He's still not getting it. And Jesus replies to him. He says, you know, actually, if, if your whole body was dirty, I'd wash it. But what he was saying is because of the blood that's going to be shed for you, you're already clean. I'm just washing your feet to show you something else. Jesus was showing him the depth of love that he, that he had for him. But, you know, he must have really loved Peter's zeal. I mean, he must have chuckled to himself and just, oh, Pete, you're just, you're just so cool. I mean, you know, I just want to wash your feet and you want to jump in the tub, you know, like, and just get baptized or something. Like, he's just, he must have loved his zeal. And, and I know that God... He loves the little things about you. You know, as a parent, you know, and now as a grandparent, I just, you know, if you were here this morning, you would have seen my granddaughter at the end of the service. We came up to just, you know, while Pastor Phil was just finishing his message and I was leading worship, so we just came up and standing here waiting for Pastor Phil to see what song we're going to sing. And, and I look behind me and there's my little granddaughter just walking onto the stage just going, where's my mic? You know, and she's like this big, it's like, okay, here's your mic. And then she's just like, like she's so, just totally there. I mean, she's totally in the moment. She just, I know what I want to do with my life. She says to me all the time, I'm going to be a worship leader. I'm going to be a worship leader. And she's three. But Jesus, you know, we could just say, go away, little girl. You can't be on the stage because this is for big people. This morning we had Cameron. You know, worship, worship, uh, in the worship to Jimmy Cam, stand up, so wave to everybody. Yeah. I mean, do I need to say anymore? You know, well, I had this, when I had a dancing school, it was a Christian dancing school, and I was proud to call it a Christian dancing school. And I, I was very popular. It was a very popular dancing school. I had a lot of students. It had high quality. I did a lot of big performances. It was well known, and we, the kids were well used in productions and things like that. You know what? I never said no to a child in that dancing school. I think Jesus was teaching me how to wash feet way back then. And I remember one night I had this, this concert and, and, the, and all the kids in their beautiful costumes were doing like dancing at Laycott Street Theatre. And I had this one kid that like he was just totally paralysed just down one side and he had, he'd had a stroke when he was a baby. He couldn't dance at all. But he just, and he'd, and he'd just run across the stage like this and then he'd go, ah! And then he'd run across the stage and run back off. And it was like, yes, he's one of my dancers, everybody. And I gave him a trophy as well because, because... God sees us. He sees us and he knows every little thing. He loves the little things about us. He's, he just loves us. He just loves us. We've got to get this. 
You've got to get this, that he gets you. Jesus walked on the earth, walked amongst us, because he gets us. He was trying to show us that he gets us. <laughs> so Jesus washes his feet. And, and then we come to the place where, you know, Jesus is, is speaking to them. It's the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 31. And Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Truly, and, and, then, and then just Peter's just going, I will never fall away. I will never fall away from you, Jesus. I would never do this. I would never. I mean, they can kill me. They can kill me with you, but I'll never fall away. And he says this in verse 34, Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Three times you will disown me this very night. And Peter's saying, if, even if I die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. And so Jesus gets called to the garden of Gethsemane. He knows that the hour is near. He knows that, you know, soon it's going to be the hour when he has to die and and, it's in, and he's in this place, he's in this terrible place. Of, it's just that his soul inside of him was just in this war, you know, with, with, with he, between his will and God's will. And he, and he goes and he, and he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began, he was sorrowful and he was troubled. Again, he takes Peter. This is the, the hour, this is the moment of his life when he needs someone more than he's ever needed someone before. You know, and he didn't pick the fancy, the proud, the intelligent. He, he didn't choose, you know, the scholars of the day. He chose Peter. He chose a fisherman. He chose a normal human being. And he knew, he just knew, he already knew Peter didn't have it in him. But he just said, Peter, you come with me. And they go into this garden. And he says to them, just, just, just pray for me. Just stay awake an hour and just pray. And he goes off, Jesus goes off and he's in the garden and he's, you know, just in this terrible place. Goes back to check the disciples, they're all snoring. And he couldn't just stay awake with me just one hour. And he just goes back again and he's in this place and he's wrestling, he's wrestling, he's come out. They're still asleep. And then he comes out a third time and they're snoring away. Three times he tried to wake them up and just say, can you just stay awake with me an hour? Peter's there, he's just snoring his head off. Anybody ever tried to wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, you feel like, oh, God's really calling me to pray. And you can just feel that pull, you know, it's like, pray. And it's just like, and then you go, yeah, I'll just lay here and pray. I mean, it's so cold, and if I get up, and, and then you just go, oh, Lord, I love. So you wake up half an hour. That's all right. I'm praying. I'm praying a lot. I'm here. <laughs> Can't you just stay awake an hour? Can't you stay with me, wake with me an hour, Pete? 
And while he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him with a large crowd with swords and clubs and sent the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them. It was to kiss a man, arrest him. So Judas comes, in, you, know, you know the story, he's going to betray him, he kisses him. And, um, and Jesus replied, do you, come, do you come for a friend? And then the man stepped forward, seized Jesus and arrested him. And listen to this part. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out and cut off the servants of the high priest's ear. I'm just going to give you a little guess for a minute who that was. One of the Lord's disciples, Peter, grabs a sword. I don't know how to do this. Whack, and just whacks this guy's ear off. It's like, can you imagine Jesus going, oh, Peter. <laughs> this is not what I've been teaching you for three years, buddy, you know. And, of course, Jesus... This is what I love about Jesus. And you probably don't know this, but this guy was a slave. And a slave has an earring in, that, in his ear, in that particular ear, that depicts him as a slave. And Peter cut off the ear that had the earring in it that depicted him as a slave. And Jesus didn't pick up the ear and put it back on gave him a brand new one without an earring. See, God turns everything around for good to those who love him. A man was set free from slavery that night and got a new ear to boot because of a crazy, zealous disciple who blew things a lot. now Jesus is being dragged away and, and, you know, into the crowds and, and Peter's following him and watching him and he's watching him be dragged off and someone comes up and says, hey, I know you, aren't you one of his disciples? Oh, I, I don't know him. I don't know him. It doesn't even register. And someone else says, oh, I'm sure you're with him. Your accent gives it away. No, I never knew. I don't know the man. Someone else says, oh, I'm sure I've seen you with him. He says, I never knew him. And then he hears the cock cry. And then Peter, it says in Matthew 26, 75, then Peter remembered the word Jesus has spoken. Before the rooster crows, you would disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I don't know about you, but I'd find it pretty hard to get up after that one. He's just weeping, he's weeping. Now, Jesus is dead. There's no way he can make it up for him. He feels so bad, he doesn't even go to the cross to say goodbye. He's not there. When Jesus needs him the most, he is not there. He is so absorbed in his defeat, in his disappointment, in his confusion, and in his absorption, and in, in, you know, I should have been better. I had the keys. I, I could have bound. I should have done this. He told me how to do that. I could have, I walked on the water. I may have took a few steps, but now he's gone. 
what hope is there for me now? And I would assume, and I think the scriptures clearly show us that, that he just went back to fishing. I'll just go back to fishing. I'll just go back to what I know and forget that this all happened. I'll just go back to fishing. (laughs) And then it says in John 21, it's awesome. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as da-da-da, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. There you go. He's gone back. Going out to fish, says Simon Peter. He told them. Will um, we'll go with you, they said. So out they went. They went out to fish and they caught nothing. Da-da-da, we've heard this story before. We caught nothing. We can't do anything without him. Without him, there is no fruit. Without him, there is no life. Without him, there is no prosperity. Without him, there is nothing. You can go back to your old life and guess what you'll find? What you had when he found you. Nothing. They caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find something. Now, you think that it would have triggered straight away when he said, throw your net on the right. He just said that before, didn't he? Like, duh. And um, when they did, they were, un- they were unable to haul the net because it was such a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, like disciple whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. Can you imagine? Like, I mean... There must have been something about Jesus that made him not want to run away. Oh, no, he's alive. Now he's going to come and get me. You know, like, oh, no. You know, how many times have you done things wrong and, and Jesus is, is, is trying to, and you don't recognize, even recognize that it's him. But when you do recognize that it's him, you know, you're not going to run to him. You're going to run away from him because you're ashamed. But there was something in the heart of this guy, Peter, that just says, oh, bugger it and he just wraps this thing around him and he just gets in the water and he swims out to Jesus you know he just swims out to him he just goes what have I got to lose I've got nothing anyway I had nothing I had lots I have nothing again what have I got to lose? And he swims to Jesus. He's probably, I can just imagine his mind as he's swimming towards Jesus. What's he going to say to me? What's he going to say to me? Oh, no. How can I say sorry? I don't know how to say sorry. I don't know. You know, I blew it again, Jesus. I blew it again. And I denied you. You said I was going to deny you. You knew I was going to do it. And I did it. And I did it. And, I'm, and I've been beating myself up ever since. And I wasn't there when you died. I wasn't there at the cross. I wasn't there for you, Jesus. I don't I can imagine going through the water. This is what he's thinking. It was only 100 yards or something. But anyway, he it had a lot of thoughts in 100 yards. <laughs> the other disciples follow in the boat. See, there they are again. The other disciples just go, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. But Peter's like, it's Jesus. 
He's in there, you know, he's after him. He's, he's, he's like, and when they, and, and when they, they, see, it says 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals and there were fish on it and some bread. I mean, I just love Jesus. He's not standing there going, I told you so. Look at me. I'm all risen, you know. You stupid fools. Like, he's not. He's sitting there cooking and brekkie. He's cooking and brekkie. <laughs> it actually says that. He's cooking breakfast. And, and then it, and it goes on to say, you know, he's cooking and brekkie. He's cooking and brekkie. He says, come and have some breakfast. That's what he says to them. Come and have some breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, did the same that he did with the fish. And this was, and then we go on here. Now, after they had finished eating, he's had this meal with Peter, and Peter's probably, can you imagine, like, it's just like he's having little bites, just going, oh, I know it's coming. I know it's going to come. It's a day of reckoning. He's going to tell me off. And, you know, I'm going to feel bad, but, you know, I've got to get through this. I've got to face this. I hate conflict. Oh, you know, and uh, he's probably doing all that over the meal. And Jesus just feeding him, just giving him that time to just remember the fellowship that they'd had. And then when he finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time, don't you think it's incredible? Three times he denied him. Three times Jesus laid his grace over it. Yeah. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. He's finally getting it. Lord, you know all things. Can I have the worship team up? Lord, you know all things. You know me. You get me. You know what I'm going to say before I say it. You know how many hairs are on my head. You know what, I, what I'm thinking. You, you know when I get up in the morning. You know when I go to sleep at night. You know what I'm going to do in 10 years' time. You, do, you know what I did 10 years ago. You know me. You get me. You know my personality. You know my likes, my dislikes. You know everything about me. Lord, you know me. And you know all things. And you know that I love you. I might not be the greatest disciple. I may have made a lot of mistakes. But one thing is this, Jesus. You know I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't have a rebuke for him. He didn't have a long, dramatic 
well, let's just revise your life. He had one question. Do you love me? You know, we're just everyday people, eh? You and I. Everyday people that Jesus has chosen to walk with. And he gets us. And he's not asking you to cast your shadow and heal the sick. He's not asking you to go up a mountain and see transfigurations every day. He just asks you one thing. Do you love me? You see, because when you're in love and when you get how much He loves you, it all makes sense. That suddenly, when he comes to you and he says, hey, let's go change the world. Suddenly you get it. It's like, I don't have to be superwoman, superman. I don't have to be this sinless, victorious, incredible, Mr. or Mrs. Incredible, anybody. When Jesus says to me, let's go change the world, he says, let's change the world with this love that we have. If you can just get how much he loves you and you can love him back, we can change the world. Hmm. Let's stand to our feet. just want that word to soak tonight and settle in on you. Mm-hmm. Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.